So it's the 15th of August, 2021. And this time now is the time for us to cultivate samadhi. And this samadhi, this firm foundation, the heart, it has a point, it has a goal to it. And that goal is to bring the mind to freedom. And freedom from all of the um, things that come in through the six senses. So normally the mind receives these sense objects, and it does so throughout the entire day. And then when it receives these, it proliferates on them. If it's an object that we find pleasing, then it goes and proliferates in one way. If it's an object that dissatisfies us, then we proliferate in another way. And the mind's always giving rise to these feelings of love and hate and fear like this. And this has happened from the moment that we were born. And the more that we know, the more we come in contact with, then the more the mind goes and proliferates. And if we have many, many things, then uh, the more the mind feels afraid. So we need to come to train our minds so that they gain at least a temporary freedom from these uh, objects of these six senses. And so we train our minds to bring them to stillness through using a meditation object. And then when the mind is in a still place, then we contemplate how all things arise and cease so that we experience emptiness. Well, we can stay with this meditation word buddho, and the mind can experience emptiness through that. And when the mind is empty, then it gains this liberation from all of these sense objects, and it gains an understanding as well into this path of practice, knowing why it is that the Buddha taught us to train in this way. And so we gain this peace of mind that we've never experienced before, this peace that comes through a practice of samadhi. And when the mind is peaceful, then it gains a stillness as well, it gains a fullness of heart that comes up. And it's something that we've never received before, something that we've never known um, in this life. And maybe we've experienced this to some degree, like when we do chanting or when we are generous, that there's a happiness that comes up through that. But perhaps we don't know what that happiness is. We just feel this fullness there within the heart, the sense of inner contentment and satisfaction. And maybe even the hairs on a body stands on end. And sometimes when children chant, and they chant uh, the uh, way of, of chanting in Thailand, the kind of melodic way of chanting, and they can feel this great uh, sense of inner happiness and joy. But they don't understand why this is happening. And perhaps they ask their friends, but their friends don't know what's going on as well. And really this chanting, it's, and staying with that, it's a form of a mantra or a meditation word and something that does bring the mind to peace. 
So the reason that we try to train our minds is because all minds desire freedom. We want this freedom ever since we were born. So children, they they wish for this as well. They have this desire as well to be free. And it's a desire which is very deep within their hearts. And so children wish to be free from those who kind of manage them or control them. They wish to have physical freedom and their bodies aren't yet able to walk. So they want to be free from having to crawl around. They want to be able to walk normally like other people can. They want to be able to run, to be able to help themselves. So again, this freedom, what we do is we gain a freedom from that which controls us. Or like those who have done some bad deeds and then they get caught and put in jail. There are high walls and bars surrounding them and they're not able to escape. And in their time there, they don't have any choice. They're stuck within that system and they can't choose to do the things that they like. They can't choose to have the food they want to eat. They can't choose how they're going to sleep or when. And so there's no freedom there. You can't get what they want. They're always being controlled. And this is like a kind of hell in the human realm. And if the mind actually falls into hell, we don't need to even talk about that. There's no freedom there at all, no happiness, just heat and fires that burn us. Or a mind that's been born into an animal body and experiences very little pleasure or happiness, always struggling to find food and it's very arduous, always controlled by this fear. Or thieves, they're always afraid. And people who don't have a sense of virtue or morality, um, they live in fear. Or in previous times, when slavery was common, uh, these slaves, they're trapped. They don't have any freedom. They don't belong to themselves. They belong to others, always being used by others. So this emancipation and freedom is something which all hearts desire. Or in times which were very chaotic, uh, times which were very difficult, the people during those times wanted freedom. Perhaps their country has been occupied and they want freedom from those uh, foreign rulers. They want to be able to control their country by themselves. And when they get that freedom, this is something really huge for that country. And then they're able to run their country um, in the way that they want, in moral ways, able to be free from external pressures. But what about in this present day? What about freedom now? You see that this pandemic has spread around And we used to be free to live our lives much in the way that we wish. Uh, But now this has changed. We used to gather together to have fun or to work together, but all of that has changed. And even little children, they can get themselves into into trouble and uh, get themselves confined. Perhaps they 
are running around playing, and they drink some water at a house where someone uh, who has COVID is living in that house, but they don't know, then they have to be stuck in quarantine. And so they don't have any freedom there, do they? And we used to be able to travel to different countries, but now we're not able to do that because of this pandemic. We used to be able to speak and talk with each other very easily, conveniently. We used to be able to breathe very easily. But now we have to wear masks, and just one mask isn't enough. We need two masks, and some people even wear face shields. We always have to be rubbing our hands with alcohol. If we go out, we clean the whole body. All the food, we have to heat that up to try and kill the virus. And so if we lay the blame on external things, then we can find all manner of things, all different causes that we can uh, point at. That why are we not free? Why do we not get what we want? But if we look internally, we'll see that when we're born and we have a body, then old age, sickness and death is right there as well. It comes part and parcel with birth. And this body is something which always pressures us, squeezes us, and the mind isn't free. And so if we attach, then that attachment then controls us. And avijja uh, comes up. And if we're able to remove that delusion to some degree, then we gain freedom, but it's not yet 100% freedom. The Sotapanna's dream entries, they've changed their views from deluded ones into knowledgeable ones, that there isn't really a true self. And they've begun to destroy the things which, which bind us, which incarcerate the heart, which stop the mind from being free. And then when the mind gains freedom from these fetters, then it feels really spacious and at ease. It's able to uh, remove this delusion to gain a freedom to one level. So the things that we need to um, gain in this world, we go out and we find possessions, we gain money and other things, that these are ours in one sense, and that we've gained them through wholesome means, not through corruption, not through theft. But when the mind attaches to these things, then that's a very dangerous um, activity, it's a dangerous thing to do. Because when the mind then, or when the body dies, then the mind will be stuck on those things which it attaches to, and it won't be able to go elsewhere. It'll be stuck right there. And the mind in that state is very low, it's very heavy, because those objects, they have a mass, they have a weight to them, and the gravity of the world pulls them down. And so when the mind attaches to them, it in turn becomes heavy as well. There's a case of a monk who was really attached to his robes, saw that they were very beautiful robes, very good robes. Uh, but he died in that state, in that mind state of attaching. And so he was born as a lice, 
uh, in that robe. And so we see these things as being good. And even though they may actually be good, it's very dangerous to attach to them. This is a very dangerous thing for the mind to do. So this desire that we have for freedom, in order to gain that, we need to practice. Initially, the Buddha taught about generosity and how to give, and we do this little by little. And sometimes it can be very difficult to decide to give things away. Perhaps the attachment we have to certain objects is very deep, very entrenched. And there may be things that are very valuable and that we really do cling to. And maybe we are able to give them to our children or grandchildren, but to give them to others can be very tough. And so sometimes it's generosity, it's really not easy. And those people who are able to do this, to give away even valuable things or things that are really precious to them, um, it shows that they have a lot of old accumulated barami, that they're able to do this. And as we carry on doing this, then the mind reaches into peace. And um, we gain this feeling that the sense of self-sacrifice, of giving, of being generous, that this is just something that is normal for us. It's a part of the way that we live our lives. And so a mind which is in this state, it shows that that's a mind which has a lot of energy, has a lot of barami, enough to be able to see the Dhamma. Because it's, it can be as generous as this. A mind which is filled up with goodness, with skillfulness. This is the mind that is celestial, it's on the level of a deva. So we can give many different things. Um, and the best of gifts is that of, of Dhamma, giving the Dhamma. This is the highest of all the things that we can give. And it's a great form of merit to do this, to share the Dhamma, to use the knowledge that we have, the strength of our mindfulness and wisdom, and to give these things away. In previous times, we would do that in terms of making and distributing books, uh, but now it's mostly done over the internet. And so we can help others, um, help to spread the teachings of the Buddha, and this is a great form of merit that we create through doing this. Because some of the people who receive this, they gain a knowledge of the Dhamma, a very deep understanding. Um, and this is a great form of merit. And it may even be that some people are in really critical periods of their lives, just about to commit suicide. But then they come across um, one of these teachings of the Dhamma, some Dhamma comes up and they're able to put that down, able to lay those thoughts aside. And there are many families that are like this. Maybe the husband is going through many problems in his life and is just about to commit suicide. And it's really in this period of crisis, but then uh, the Dhamma comes along, is able to regain his mindfulness. And so, some of these people then, they don't um, do that, they don't attempt suicide. And then they're able to really turn their lives around, 
and um, give many things, be very generous people. And so this gift of the Dhamma, spreading the Dhamma, brings much benefit to the lives of those who receive it. And so we help each other out in spreading this, and in turn we gain a lot of goodness ourselves. And then we use the wealth that we have in our mindfulness and wisdom to spread the Dhamma. And even though we may just do this to a very small degree, just a small amount, what we gain is a great amount of merit in return, giving this knowledge, giving Dhamma to many people so that they gain an understanding of it. And if they gain a true understanding, then, then that's a great form of merit. And so giving the Dhamma is a great form of merit, but contemplating the Dhamma and cultivating our hearts, this is immense merit. And so we try to walk along this path of freedom, this path that takes our hearts to liberation. And we practice um, in this way that I've been describing, making our hearts better than they were before. Because if they just remain in their old state, like they always were, then they have avijja, ignorance, controlling them constantly. But as we practice, then they become a new kind of mind, that which has the one who knows looking after them, in a similar way to how a mother and father take care of and look after their child. So therefore, for us, we should really set our hearts on this, on practicing for the sake of freedom, freedom from everything. And nowadays, people want to be free. They want happiness, they don't want suffering. We see that when we gain samadhi, um, then we gain this kind of freedom. The heart becomes still, it becomes peaceful, joy arises, and we gain freedom from chaos, a temporary freedom from that. And then when we contemplate to see how all things are empty, the mind gathers together, an understanding appears, and we feel really deeply um, amazed by the Dhamma, that it's something that's wondrous. And Buddha, Dhammo, Sanko, the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, that these are really amazing things. And if we see like this, then joy will arise, that our hearts fill up with this happiness. And the faith that we had before becomes even more firm. We have this faith in generosity, faith in listening to the Dhamma. And um, by doing this, this gives us a good foundation to be able to abandon the defilements and gain an understanding of the Dhamma. And just like how I've told many times um, that when I listened to the Dhamma once, that I gained this understanding that all things are empty, the mind gathered together, And this was a really significant changing point in my life. I really began to see how this practice gives great benefit. I tried to live my life in a very full way. And um, I would go off to work uh, and also keep the five precepts, the eight precepts, meditate regularly, have a lot of faith, listen to the Dhamma, 
and be practicing, be cultivating my heart. And through this, I felt that my life had a lot of happiness to it. And I once asked myself, well, if I gained a lot of money, then what would I do with that? Because I could see how my life must end in death. And even though I may gain a lot of money, then I can't take that with me. And so all I'd want to do with it was to create goodness, to create merit, to support Buddhism. And so this then becomes one factor uh, that can take us to understanding the Dhamma. And it's something that Sotapanas uh, are imbued with, this firm faith. So just like Lady Visaka and Anadapindaka, you can call them the mothers and father of all the um, lay men and women Buddhists, um, that they practiced in this way. And so we should practice following their example. And that if we gain money, then we use that to be generous, we sacrifice, because we see how this life is not sure. So we should really try to do this, to build up a lot of merits, to always be engaging in these skillful deeds, to try to be practicing like this, so that we can come to understand the Dhamma. So when we understand the Dhamma, what we see is change, this nature of change, of arising and ceasing. We see nature. And then when we perceive this, then the mind can gain this freedom. Uh, freedom from all of its attachments, freedom from its clinging. So this freedom of mind is something which is very important. And each individual wishes for this. Just like those who are stuck in jail and are confined there, and they count down the number of days that's uh, left uh, until they gain their freedom. Or those beings in hell, and they wish for freedom with every second. And they want to gain this, want to be free, want to gain this liberation, be freed from that state of suffering that they're in. Or like children who want to be able to help themselves. But even though they're able to help themselves, um, they're still confined in the jail of ignorance, uh, craving and clinging. And so the mind isn't actually free. Perhaps we see other people doing bad deeds. We should understand that they're under the control of their defilements, and that they don't have this knowledge there within their minds. And so it's not possible for us to destroy these defilements in other people. We can destroy their bodies, but their bodies don't know what's going on. The bodies don't contain the defilements. You can try to destroy their minds, but their minds too don't really know what's going on. And if the mind gains knowledge into not-self, and then it will have this generosity, virtue, and meditation. And this is what's able to really destroy the defilements. 
But these defilements are something that we have to destroy for ourselves. We're not able to um, destroy others. It's up to each individual because these defilements belong to each individual. We see how the Buddha had such profound kindness and compassion. And if he was able to destroy these defilements, then he would have done so already in the minds of every being. There wouldn't be any defilements left at all. But it's something that we do need to do for ourselves. That the Buddha, he was able to walk this path and attain to the Dhamma through his own efforts. And then he taught this path um, to gain freedom from the defilements. But it's something that we need to do ourselves. The Buddha is one who just points out the way. Just like with eating, we need to eat ourselves, we need to drink ourselves in order to feel full. And if there was a plate of food sitting in front of us, but we don't eat it, then how would we ever feel full? So it's something that we do need to do for ourselves. So this path of freedom exists already. And so we should raise our effort, our sincerity, and really try to practice, try to walk. And if we do that, then we will gain liberation. And when we see the mind that is freed from all of the fetters, we'll understand just how wondrous, how amazing that is. It's something that we just can't comprehend. We can't think about it. The mind that's in a state of freedom, that's gone above the world, that's transcended all of these sense objects. And so we gain an understanding um, at this point of this path, that this really is the way that brings us to freedom. And so we need to bring up uh, inspiration, to give ourselves inspiration. And when we get to this point, then a lot of energy will come up. We'll gain the fullest amount of faith. And the power of our mindfulness, of our samadhi, becomes very strong. Both the body and the mind feel very buoyant. And they, the mind feels very open and spacious and still. There's a lot of happiness that comes up. It's able to gain this knowledge and see all things as being empty. And it feels like it's left this world. And that it just wants to leave uh, altogether. But there's also some very significant things that are binding it, pulling it back. And that's this upadana, uh, this attachment, attachment to the self. Because there's delusion there within the mind. And the mind thinks that the self brings me happiness. And that if I didn't have a self, then how would I possibly gain any happiness? Where would that come from? If I didn't have a self, then what would I have? But if we can gain that happiness that comes from the realization of not-self, then we see just how amazing that is. And then our practice of generosity becomes a lot easier. We're more able to give the things that we have. And even though we may have something that's very valuable, something that's dear to us, that's very rare, we're able to give that away. And this is something that isn't easy to do those who are able to give things like this. But we see that when we do that, then we feel that inner ease, that spaciousness, and then it becomes easier and easier for us to be generous. 
So for those of us who are able to do that, it shows that we've got a lot of barami already, a lot of these spiritual virtues, those who can sacrifice in this way. And so we just carry on doing this, developing this generosity, developing our morality, giving rise to wisdom so that a clear understanding comes up. And so that the mind can gain this freedom. So when we gain an understanding into the Dhamma, then there's a great joy and happiness that arises within the heart. And perhaps we don't really know what level of samadhi we have. It's just that the mind all of a sudden gathers together and there's a great radiance that appears within it and a clear understanding that manifests. And so we just carry on practicing in this way, training ourselves. And we start at the beginning and we just carry on with it. In the end, we'll gain this energy. We'll gain an energy to walk this path and to really gain this freedom from suffering. In the beginning, however, it's all just chaotic. There's no peace. But we really must try, really must put in our effort. And what we're doing is we're building up and gaining this noble wealth which really does belong to us. So the Buddha, he taught this path, um, this, and in order for him to come across that path, it really wasn't easy. He had to be born, he had to die countless times, go through much difficulty. So all people in this world, they all desire freedom. And even though we may have one degree of freedom, that things can happen. And so a pandemic arises like this, and we lose our freedom, don't we? And um, so it changes from what was once normal into kind of an abnormal state. We also need to understand that these minds are also abnormal, and that they're being controlled by ignorance, craving, and clinging. And even though the state of affairs being controlled by these things, it gives us some degree of happiness. It's not much. But that happiness that it gives us, that's what deludes beings. It uh, pulls them into this path of uh, indulgence and sensuality, uh, this karma, sukhali, kana, yoga. And so even though there's happiness there, it actually gives us a great amount of suffering as well and no peace at all. It's not genuine happiness. It doesn't really bring us freedom. It doesn't bring us any meaningful or genuine kind of liberation. And actually, it's a cause for suffering to arise. So in order to reach true happiness and true freedom, we need to walk this way, walk the way that leads us to the end of suffering, and that is this path of sila, samadhi, and panya, of virtue, collectedness, and wisdom. And so may all of you sincerely walk this path, this path that brings us to genuine liberation. <laughs>